Hello and welcome to Farming with Jesus, a podcast in which we explore how the seeds of faith are sown into our lives, how following Jesus touches all of our lives. Uh, my name is Paul Thomason. I'm joined by uh, Jonah Wilson. Both of us have the privilege of serving at the Gibson City Bible Church, and uh, we are thankful that you're listening uh, whenever you may be listening. For us, it's in the afternoon. Uh, so we are in the middle of talking about words, uh, particular words that represent particular ways of looking at the world in which we live. Um, they, they really are words that represent worldviews, our understanding of life and um, uh, where the answers to big questions of life would come from, um, uh, or at least how those um, questions shape our lives. So this particular podcast, we are going to talk about a word uh, called secular or secularism, right? That's correct. And ism. Ism. Uh, the words are isms that we're... Uh, and I, I don't know, are we making up any words with this series of words? We may be making up one or two words. Not so far. No. We don't want to show our cards too much. No, though. that's true. No, we don't. But it could be that eventually we'll make up a word just to make it fit into the series. Um, but today we're thinking about a word that you hear bantered about. Would you say that's a fair statement? We hear bannered about quite a bit. I would say so, used in different ways. Yeah, the whole idea of secular or secularism. We live in a, a secular world or secular, secular nation or... Yep. Um, We've had missionaries in recently that talked about how their particular place of service overseas has become completely secular. So we want to think about that. What does that mean and what does that look like? Oh, one way that both of us have heard the phrase used, and I would like you to begin thinking about this, or, or maybe we should, should we start with the definition first? Sure. Okay, let's start there, and then I'll pick this thought up. Sure. Well, there's some different nuances in what exactly we are referring to. So if we are referring to the the general idea of secular, the I found the some of the etymology interesting with the term. It was something that was originally, back hundreds of years ago, used to refer to something that was, uh, it was an adjective to describe something mm. of the world. And that was all. So it was something that existed in the world or in a certain time period or something like that. But no, no negative connotation. Not necessarily. Right. No, more of a neutral word. Right. But it, gradually, it began to take on a bit of a different meaning, and that different meaning came in a distinction between things that were uh, so-called of the world versus things that were related to God or mm. religion, and mm. that leads us more into the way that the, that the word is used today. So if we think of the term secular, one definition is denoting attitudes, activities, or other entities that have no religious or spiritual basis. Mm. So again, that separation. Then if we were to look at secularism, which ha does have a slightly different nuance, that's used more when thinking about institutions of different mm. kinds. And so 
a definition there could be the principle of separation of the state from religious institutions. So we think about, uh, you could say that, that secularism is present in a country if there is no connection between the government and different religious groups. So in, in our world, the world that we move and breathe and live in, we would um, probably, uh, and when I'm talking about our world, I'm talking about the world Jonah and I live in, we, we would probably hear the word secular more often used as a negative, as at least a depiction of, of uh, something that stands outside of or separated from things religious, yes. things it's of within faith. Within Christian communities especially, you hear that word used in a very negative or derogatory sense. Right. So um, before we define it, one of the things I was thinking about is um, we hear it also used as sacred versus secular. That's a way I would, I would hear. Um, and that can be a good thing, but it can be a, it can be a bad thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Expand on that a little bit. The whole idea is sacred versus secular. How can that be both a good thing yep. and a bad thing? Well, I think that the motivation behind it, some of that driving force to use that language, in a sense, can be good because there's a, an attempt when using that type of language to distinguish between certain things. That's I know that's a broad word, but certain, for example, books or movies or music. Music, yeah. yeah music is one where you hear it a lot. Yep. And... People have used that word to distinguish between something that is um, explicitly or distinctly Christian versus something that is not. It is secular, so it is it is not overtly Christian. And and I think at times that the word has been used to be able to provide a distinction of okay, these are things that maybe. Christians shouldn't be involved in or are negative or dangerous and sinful even sinful exactly and so in that sense it is important to recognize things that are sinful things that are harmful for us as Christians however there is a flip side as you mentioned and when we're thinking about that sacred secular divide I think that what has happened too much is that rather than using the term secular to refer to items that are sinful or harmful to us in some way, it has instead been more of a blanket term that is applied to anything that is not overtly Christian. Mm. And by overtly Christian, I mean you know, not mentioning something about God or about the gospel or about an aspect of our faith. If, if something doesn't explicitly mention it, then it's labeled secular. Or could it also imply something about the origin of the thought or the origin of the idea, the origin of the music, the origin of the book? Yep, it could be coming from a place uh, from someone who's not Christian or even to ramp up the the intensity a little bit from someone who is hostile to Christianity, who isn't a Christian or who is promoting something that is bad. So, you know, you're in a college dorm, a bunch of uh, 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 college guys are hanging around together, and 
they that maybe the conversation comes up that hey hey man do you uh, this is a Christian college Christian campus do you listen to secular music so yep. the implication would be do you listen to music that is that is not what I think you and I would probably call Christian music. Christian. Music that if you turn on to a Christian radio station, you might hear more contemporary Christian music. Often that's, if it's not that, then it's considered secular. And implicit in the question would almost be an underlying question is, is that okay? Are you you Mm. okay with listening to secular music as opposed to Christian music? And and again, uh, another implication there that that the Christian music is kind of the upper echelon. Right. This is the the better music. But do you listen to some of that other stuff too? So um, I think there are a couple of questions out there for us. So, you know, but, but people may be saying, well, what do you guys think? Is it okay to listen to secular music? I think that's a question. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to get hung up on music. You can apply that to read a novel yep. or to, I don't know, but but the honest truth is most people, we have religious jobs. Most people have secular jobs. Is there, yep. well, how far Work are you going to... Work is a big area yeah, in yeah, which yeah. that word is used as well. So um, we've got to think about that, and we've got to think about, I know that you want to talk about, and I think you're absolutely right to talk about, the, the danger of making life too segmented, um, so we think of life in terms of sacred and secular. Yep. So there's no doubt there is warnings in the Bible about things that are of the world, right? I mean, the Scripture does warn us about those things. Yes. Do not be conformed to the way of this of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There's Romans a, 12, yeah. There's a distinction between the type of life that we're called to as followers of Jesus and the type of life that those who don't follow Jesus live around us. So absolutely. So Christians do feel this tension between sacred and secular a little bit, right? And they do wonder where, where do the lines fall? Yes, I think so. But I think what's helpful when considering all this, and there's some different specifics I think that it would be important for us to, to discuss with relation to work versus maybe different forms of art or something like that. But right. but one thing I think is important for us to keep in mind is there is an underlying assumption in the ways that we use these words at times of how we view the world. So, for instance, if I have a heavy separation or distinction in life between things that I view as sacred and things that I view as secular— to me, there is an assumption there that some things are coming from God, and those things are sacred, and then other things are coming from bad places. So maybe that maybe we say they're coming from the devil, or maybe we're saying they're just coming from the sinful world, and those are bad. Now, again, there's some truth, there's some to, that. truth to that, and yep, that can yep, be helpful. Yep. But I also think it's helpful for us to view all of life— under God's domain. So God created all things. God is all-powerful, and he sustains the world as we know it. Now, that doesn't mean that God is present in sinful things, but it does mean that there's this, this common expression of many different 
manifestations of the goodness that God has written into the world. And the opportunity for good things can often come in things that are overtly Christian, but there's also times that those good gifts from God can be enjoyed in things that are not overtly Christian. If uh, a couple of Christians wanted to go to an opera that is secular. It's a a good example. They could go and enjoy that, and in some ways glorify God in that. Sure, hear the beauty of the music, and think about the artistic um, aspects that all go into this performance. Absolutely. So if a, a guy is out there and he farms, he farms for a living, and he loves what he does, but he thinks of that as less than what he does uh, maybe in his work as a Gideon or teaching Sunday school. So he sees those activities, handing out Bibles or teaching Sunday school, as very spiritual. He sees putting seed in the ground and growing corn and soybeans is very not spiritual or, to use our word, secular. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting across the proverbial table a desk from you and says to you, Jonah, I think of my job as secular. He may not use that word, but that's what he's expressing. I think of these other things as spiritual. What would you say to him about that mindset? This is an interesting question. It's something that brings to mind a conversation I had a couple years ago. I was at a a fair, a county fair. And at this county fair, there's typically a section with a large building. There's going to be some spots with different booths or little tables set up. And I was walking through, and one of the tables that I saw was a large section devoted to some individuals from a Jehovah's Witness um, local community. And I went up and walked up to the guy. They were they were approaching a religious a religious people. community yes, for yes. those of who may not be familiar. A, a religious community. Yes, right, right. And they were approaching people, so they came up and asked me some questions and asked if I would like to to learn a little bit about what they're talking about. And I'm no expert on the community of Jehovah's Witnesses or their beliefs or anything like that. And I'm still not, and I wasn't then, so I thought, okay, sure, let, let me hear a little bit about it. And I, later, I asked this man what his role was. I, I figured he was, you know, in the co- community that we're familiar with, it, there's pastors, there's people who are on staff at a church. So I, I figured he was some sort of staff member or something like that. So I said, oh, so what, what's your role with the church? And he said, well, my secular work, I work as a doctor. Mm. But this, the work I do here is something I really find mm, fulfilling. Mm, yeah. I, I volunteer my time once or twice a week, and, and I do things like this, or I go around to talk to people, and, and we have a lot of different volunteers who do this. And so what he was saying was exactly what you're describing. He did something like most employees, probably 40 hours a week. He was a doctor, something that personally, I would say, is that's a very important exactly. field. That, not that it's inherently more important than some other things, but it, it's a great thing to do. But he was viewing 
that time that he spent in talking to people about his faith as something that was much more important. And so I would want to push back. Of course, in that instance, I didn't push back with this person, but if it was something I, if someone I knew and I was sitting across the table from, and especially who if I knew was a Christian, I would say, I would challenge you to think a little bit differently about right. that. Because God is God over all of our lives. When we are coming to church and volunteering in a program that's happening or handing out Bibles with the Gideons or speaking to people in in a Gideon event or something like that, that's Gr- something that God calls us to do. Absolutely. That's awesome. Great things. Those yes. are great things. But God also calls us to do lots of other things. And sometimes that means working. And it means planting the corn and soybeans. Sometimes it means spending time with our family and cooking dinner and doing chores around the house. Sometimes it means going to have a conversation with someone and eat a meal together with them. There's Mm. all sorts of things. And so uh, rather than elevating things that are done on a church campus or in the name of a ministry per se, rather than elevating those things as the highest type of work, I think a a more faithful understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is integrating our walk with Christ into everything that we're doing. And so then we have Christians who are faithfully serving God as farmers. And we are have Christians who are teachers and doctors and insurance salesmen and workers at a hospital as a nurse or in a lab or whoever. There's endless numbers of different possibilities of how we can serve God. But that sacred and secular distinction, I don't think in this case, can is... Um, entirely helpful for us. No, I think it, and it kind of comes down, you know, some of that Gnostic influence and Greek influence of almost spirit is good, body is bad, and there were segments of Christianity that kind of embraced that mindset so that the physical uh, body was seen as an impediment to what it meant to be spiritual, and I think some of that mindset kind of filtered out into other ways uh, other ways of thinking in terms of secular versus sacred. And uh, when God redeems us, when he saves us, when Christ adopts us, he adopts all of who we are, our bodies, our minds, our souls, all of who we are, and all of life ultimately is the Lord. So I think one of the things that you've pointed out and is very important to grasp is don't allow the whole idea of sacred versus secular to slip into the idea of the Christian mindset that there are parts of his or her life that is sacred and there are parts of his or her life that are secular, that all of life is the Lord's, at least it should be in a Christian life. Yes. But there is a way, another way of thinking about the whole secular versus sacred. Uh, There is a truth. Uh, Would you agree that there is uh, sacred um, by that we mean we're thinking in terms of that which is biblical or that which is uh, Christian uh, and there is that which is secular and it is true those two may be like opposite ends of the magnets they may push against each other at times that's well, true that's true can, can we think of a way in which we would see that sometimes 
I mean, on a worldwide scale, we would see that in terms of there are times government oppresses uh, Christianity. That's a commonly occurring thing that happens in the world in which we live. Um, and people would argue that that's the secular opposing the sacred. Fair enough? I think so, yep. What are other ways, you think? Well, if we think of schools, uh, we may have different pieces that come to mind, uh, and specifically within schools, certain things that might be taught in schools. And so there may be uh, some instances where there's something taught in a school that is either explicitly... Um, explicitly against any form of religion or form of faith, uh, or being less hostile, um, just simply neutral and not introducing any sort of uh, religious background or faith into the discussion. I think that's something that's more that is becoming more so and has been maybe a little bit more so in just public schools. Right. But the first thing I described, you might see more in a, maybe a u- university setting. If you have, if you're in college at maybe a public institution of some kind, you might run into a professor who is not a Christian and not only is not a Christian, might be an atheist. So maybe I've talked with, um, with a college student recently who was in a college philosophy class, and his professor came in pretty much day one and said outright, I am an atheist. Now, there were other Christians in the class, and and fortunately, this was a situation where you were allowed to disagree with the professor, mm. and that was a good thing. Yep. Um, so you hear some stories sometimes about some professors who are pretty hostile to to perspectives that are not coming from kind of where they're at. Uh, but he was very clear. And so the way he taught the class came very much through this lens of, uh, I think, what could be accurately called a secular mindset, that there isn't this, there's no higher power, there's no, uh, there's no creator God, but instead we're going to base our existence off of just people and, and what we come up with as humans. Okay, so... Uh, what do we do with that as Christians? What do we do with that? There's a there can be the propensity to adopt a posture of we go to war against secularism that mm-hmm. that militaristic view. That's one way of looking at it, and maybe there are times that it's called for. But what's another way that we approach it? What's another way we we deal with that mindset? Is it in as we populate a world that Uh, maybe without Christ, and in our case, may become, some would say at least, is becoming much more secular, void of that understanding, that worldview, that way of seeing life from a Christian perspective. Mm -hmm. What are we supposed to do? Do we we isolate ourselves? Do we we see them as the enemy? What do do we do with that? It's a good question, and there's different options. I think one option is, like you described, we can withdraw. So we can say, okay, this is this is something I think is bad, I'm going to separate myself from it, or I'm going to separate those who I love from it, and we are not going to let that be an influence. That's one choice, certainly. Yep, it Um, is. 
I don't think it's a good choice, but it is a choice. Sure. Another choice is to be, like you said, you used the the phrase, go to war. Right. So we are going to go seek out people who are putting forth this mindset or this these principles and we are going to show them why they're wrong we're we're going to uh, speak the truth that we believe and we are going to stand up for it uh, there's some some good to that there is uh, I would to me what's a, a good more moderate option between those two ends of the spectrum is one to the first step take a look at ourselves because i think when we're thinking about these different perspectives this secular perspective that separates life from any connection to god whatsoever it's important that we remind ourselves and ask ourselves what do we believe mm. So first, taking a look at ourselves and grounding ourselves in the faith that we have. So as Christians, it means uh, assessing and asking some of those big questions that you mentioned earlier. You mentioned, you know, I don't know if you uh, listed some of those main or big questions, but questions like, what is this life? And what is... Why am I why here? Am I How here? to get here? And yeah, yeah. Where am, am I going? I? Yep. Asking ourselves questions like that can be pretty helpful, I think, because we're not going to be able to interact with or engage other people well if we don't have a solid foundation for where we're at. Hmm. And I think as we do that, that then allows us to enter into conversation with people in a way that is more helpful and I think um, more positive as well. Um I was just listening to a podcast earlier today, actually, and it was a remarkable story of this man, it's a black man, who has, over the years, entered into conversation with hundreds of members of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. And there's been hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people who he's interviewed and he's, there's actually been many people who he has talked to who have left. They've totally had a transformation left in their KKK. perspective. Yes. And part of what he talked about and part of what uh, was so evident in this is that part of the reason why he was able to do this and have so much success is that he didn't just uh, go to war so to speak, like we used that language a little bit ago, and ag- aggressively or abrasively attack other people. He went up to them and asked them questions. Mm. And he truly tried to understand why they believed what they believed about why white people were superior, superior to other races. Yeah, And that's something that is extremely hard. And that's... In many ways, I think that's a lot harder than what we're talking about in in terms of someone coming from a maybe there's maybe you could argue either way, but someone you know I, I've interacted with plenty of people who aren't Christians before, right? But to interact with someone who I know potentially hates who I am as a person, that's a much different thing. And sure, there's there's certainly uh, instances where Christians are hated, so that could be the case as well. But all that said, I think that having that posture of going into a conversation, having 
uh, respect for the other person, even if we don't believe or necessarily respect what they're saying, we can uh, respect them as a person and engage them and confidently, because of what we know as followers of Jesus, um, enter into that conversation and, and do that in a loving way. I mean, we are called to be salt and light, right? I mean, there is a sense in which we should embrace that and see that as part of what we are called to do and to be. Not, not, just, uh, not just to manipulate the situation, but out of genuine love and compassion for the people with whom we are dealing. One, one question I would have for you, you know, when we look at the New Testament especially, people may describe... Uh, Paul, for example, is ministering in a secular culture, which is is a yes and a no. It was kind of a religious culture as well, right? I mean, it was populated That's by true. Uh, lots of idols mm-hmm. um, in Roman culture, lots of gods. So it may have been pagan, but maybe not necessarily secular. Exactly. And th- the difference being that pagan being that they worshipped all kinds of gods. Yeah. And uh, we're a very religious culture, um, not necessarily just one who says we are we have no religion whatsoever. Yep. Although, you know, some some uh, theologians may argue even secularism is its own form of religion with mm-hmm. man at the center, and, mm-hmm. and that very well, that very well. But still be. distanced from God. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, man, this. Half hour's gone fast. It has. Um, anything else you want to say about secularism? What about to a parent whose kid is in a, <laughs> in a non-Christian college or maybe in college period? Um, anything you'd say to them? That's a good question. I And as I think back to my experience, I can sort of speak into this, but I've, I've had a different experience as well. I went to a... a community college that was a, you know, a public, what, what some could call a secular school. Right. But then I also attended a Christian college. Right. So two very different perspectives there. And I don't think there's any one size fits all answer because each school, each professor, each situation is going to be different. However, what I would say is just simply reiterating what I mentioned earlier in as you interact with people who you know are coming from a secular perspective or an atheistic perspective or, or something like that, it's it's helpful for us to be able to ask ourselves, what do we believe? And sometimes for kids in college, it's the first time that they have really, truly done that themselves. Maybe mm. they if they've grown up in the church, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. They've grown up in the church and they've embraced it and and that's good, but there's something different to going from being in your parents' house and attending church weekly and and such to being on your own and to being forced to reckon with these questions. So it's important that we explore those things, and it's also important that we do so in community with others as well because right. when when we're in that type of environment, it's it's easy to feel like we're alone and we're the only Christian who is present here. But I think what you'll find which is a real blessing at at public universities at, at bigger schools where this might be more common is you actually find some great Christian ministries as well hmm. and communities our church supports multiple people who 
are ministering to students on mm. college campuses yeah. and helping um, live in, in community together and share the hope of the gospel with those who have already come to faith in Christ and those who may not have. And so that's a, a real blessing as well, knowing that you're not alone in those things. Yes, I agree. And uh, uh, we can't we can't emphasize enough that the point that if you're on a secular campus, those ministries, those folks are there. You've got to find them. You can, sometimes yep. you have to look for them a little bit, but they are absolutely there. There's... Uh, and that can be a real source of encouragement. Secularism is the word. Um, and uh, as our our culture becomes more and more secular, I know that there's a lot of panic among Christians with that. Um, I I tend to look at it just a wee bit different. I, I don't know that it that's a bad thing for the gospel because I think it, with that comes opportunity for the gospel, I, I think, an opportunity to really demonstrate what it means um, to distinguish us as followers of Christ as opposed yes. to those who may just simply be um, religious or, or whatever. Yep, and it's easy to just coast by in a sense and yeah. assume yeah. Uh, assume things, but that, that can be good to be forced to uh, ask ourselves what we believe, and be able to share that hope with others. So, do you listen to secular music? <laughs> how about I? How about I answer by saying I listen to music that's Christian music, uh, to use the acronym, the CCM, Contemporary Christian Music. Yeah. But I also listen to music that is not overtly Christian, and at times may even be created by people who aren't Christians. Yeah. How yeah. about you? Yeah, same thing. I I listen to. Um, Fairly eclectic. I listen to classical music, and I know some of that classical music that I listen to is written by absolute pagans, but the music is gorgeous stuff. Uh, I listen to this uh, Christian, I listen to some country and western, and it is, some of it's pretty secular. So, yeah, I, I, I read books that aren't written by Christians. You know, in all of this, you have to have a, you have to have a degree of discernment, right? Yes. Uh, you have to you have to be able to discern things, and uh, I think I think all those things can be helpful. They can be harmful. Yep. It's true. And so sometimes you, there's differences um, amongst different people as well. We oh, talked yeah. a little bit in our episode on legalism. We talked about the differences between different Christians, and and there's times maybe there's a book out there where I may be comfortable reading this book, but you would say, you know what? I just, as a, a Christian, I don't think this is something I want to read or right. that is going to be right. edifying to me. Right. And that's okay. Absolutely, yes. So it is okay to disagree over some of those things. It's all right to uh, have, you know, Paul describes that Romans 14, other place where people, Christians disagree. But yep. we've been talking about the topic of secularism, uh, and we've tried to to point out there is some risk involved with it. We've got to be careful not to make the Christian life into this sacred, secular mindset. All of life is the Lord's. Uh, as always, if this is if we've created questions, if there are, or even disagreements, uh, don't hesitate to get a hold of us. They can get a, you can get a hold of us here at the church. Uh, I think there are ways to get a hold of us in the show notes uh, on the page. 
You can email us or text us or call here at the church. We'll be glad to discuss secularism or anything else that you've heard on the podcast. Uh, and how many more words do we have to go? Are there four more left? I believe five. Five left? I think this okay. is our fifth, and we've got five more. Okay. So, And we've got guests that are going to be coming on the show. Yes. So we're looking forward to that as well. Exciting. Okay. Thank you for listening. We look forward to uh, visiting with you again.